0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of La Magicas. Sam Rubio welcomes you to episode 206 uh, in the middle of summer, a few weeks after the season is over, and a few weeks after we digested um, the final, uh, we're going to be talking about the season in general, 2022-2023. uh, how it went for us Roma fans, the roller coaster of um expectations of emotions throughout the season. That's every year really as a Roma fan. Um and with me is Imram and Joey. Imram is straight from Sweden and Joey from Canada. Uh, we're missing uh, the voice of the, the show, Scott Monroe. Scott with um thoughts and prayers to Scott. He uh, sharing social media and he texted up privately and um very tough times for him. He recently lost his father. Um, thoughts and prayers, Scott, uh, I know it's difficult, it's difficult to even, it's, I'm having a hard time even coming up with words. Um, uh, for you, uh, you know, time and, and and just remember the good times and, and then remember what I told you privately, right? Um, you, you, you have to be there for, for the ones that, that are there with you, right? Thoughts and prayers for you. And, um, and um, take your time as long as you need. And we hope uh, to see you back in La Magica uh, when you're ready. Um, having said that, um, Inram, I'll start with you. Welcome back to La Magica. It's been a little bit from you. From you, How are you? Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm doing good. Yeah, thank you. Also, I echo everything you said uh, about Scott. And um, yeah, thoughts go out to him. And um, hope everything will be good in the end.
0: Despite everything that has happened. Joey, welcome back to the show in the, in the, middle, in the, in the summertime in the middle of June. In the song that we were listening before the episode. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, same thing. I uh, wanted to give my uh, thoughts and prayers and my condolences to Scott and his family. Uh, I know it's tough times, so uh, hopefully everything goes well with him and hope to see him back uh, soon as well.
0: Of course, and he knows. We don't have to tell him here. He knows everything. What what he means to us here in La Magicas and everything. So, Scott, uh, thoughts and prayers for you. You're on our minds. We're praying for you, and and you know, we hope to see you back in behind the mics uh, whenever you're ready. Uh, We're here on episode 206 to review the 2022-2023 season. Like I said earlier, uh, a few weeks after the season finished, we're able to digest a little bit of what happened towards the end. Um, but before, like, I want to go in order with you guys. Um, let's start. Uh, it was, um, because remember, it was year two of Mourinho. Um, and I want to I wanna ask you as a question, because like I said, I want to go in order. Do you guys think that uh, winning the Conference League title um on year one of Mourinho kind of like sped up the process of raise the bar of of expectations because remember when he got here he was like okay so Mourinho's gonna come here he's gonna rebuild for the first couple of years and then we're gonna start looking for titles well the title got here in the year one were the expectations higher than usual for year two and that's why maybe the crash at the end was a little bit uh, hard um I'll start with you uh, Joey
2: yeah, I, I would definitely think so. Um, winning a trophy, no matter if it's the Conference League, winning any European trophy is, uh, is deemed to be really successful and it just brought thoughts to uh, us fans that, uh, okay, now that we won the Conference League, we can achieve for further and go further with this. And we already thought about that year too. Now, we didn't end up winning a trophy and we'll get to it, but we did end up making another final. But uh, yeah, the expectation was was definitely sped up after winning the Conference League. And we thought we can achieve more by improving our league table standings with attracting more players. And we'll get to some of the signings as well. And also winning another trophy in short time. So I do believe that we expected uh, maybe something a little more uh, from the season that just passed.
0: Yeah, because you remember, and to add to that conversation, um, you remember what was the talk, right? Mourinho always wins something on year two, having won something on year one. What's your take on that? uh, Before we start looking into the signings and everything that happened in the season in-run. I don't think necessarily
1: it was... uh, I don't think it raised the expectations, I mean, beyond what was uh, uh, unrealistic. I think it was realistic, that you you should have won the Conference League in the first season, not because uh, it was the first season and it was going to be a transitional season or a season where you were going to build for the future, but just by looking at the teams that were there, you were always going to be favorites. And as, you know, <coughs> as the uh, competition progressed and the season uh, progressed, Tottenham were knocked out. They were probably the only team that could have potentially, um, you know, challenged Roma for it. Uh, then it was a it was pretty much clear path uh, to the to the you know final in Tirana. I, I think it was realistic to expect uh, to win that considering you know all the teams that were there. I mean, whether it raises the bar, it's a bit difficult to say because it depends on. We have to go back to August and uh, you know look back at. What we expected from the team, what we did. I know back then, most of us, uh, were probably hoping, uh, for, uh, the, you know, to be successful in Europa League, but it wasn't really realistic. So I think, but well, we were, we got a good draw. Uh, we didn't get uh, too many difficult teams on our way to the final. I mean, if you look at it uh, compared to Sevilla, but, uh, you know, Juventus, Manchester United, um, you know, far more difficult teams than us. Uh, but I think, ultimately, I'm very happy to have made the final. It was a shame we didn't win the final, but, you know, football can be brutal, uh, especially on penalties. So I'm not holding any grudges or anything. I'm very happy with Mourinho's performance in the Europa League. I mean, result-wise, um, not necessarily performance-wise, but I think he did what the team needed to do to get to the final. And, you know, I have to give him for that. The league is a different thing. Uh, I think we were hardly done by a lot of the injuries. That situation um, more or less changed our season because we were fighting in Europa League and we were getting injuries in, you know, important areas. We had a really thin squad. Uh, and the season was a bit strange too with the World Cup. So all in all, I say I would say that... Uh, I was a bit disappointed. I was disappointed with the, uh, with the way the season ended in Serie a. Uh, I would have liked to, you know, have played differently. I've always said that. I always wanted us to play differently in Serie A. But I think it's a bit difficult to expect because Mourinho's style of player requires you to have, you know, stronger players, more quality. If you get that and they say you can offer better performances.
0: So that's my, you know, summary of the season. Yeah. Um, and I want to, I want to bring it back to earlier in the season and, and see what are, th- I want to see what your thoughts are uh, on Thiago Pinto's Mercato last summer. We brought in Paulo Dybala, Andrea Velotti, Cheki Selic, uh, Georginio Wignaldun. He ended up being her for more than half of the season. But, and then, and then Diego Llorente in the winter Mercato, right? That was one of those rare instances when, with a, that um, a winter Mercato player comes and makes an impact, right? And starts to play right away and, and, and like I said, makes an impact for the team, right? Being, to be started starter or, or in the conversation to be a starter, right? Um, that doesn't usually happen in, in, in the winter Mercato, I can only think of a few players in the last decade or so, right? Uh, so, Paulo Dybala, Andrea Belotti, Seki Celic, Jorginho uh, Wignaldun. Um, Roma was one of the teams. M- M- Mbappé said it, right? Uh, congratulations for Roma for reaching the final, with being one of the teams that uh, didn't have a lot of budget to spend on. Um, so, what do you guys make of Thiago Pinto's mercato? first of all? I'll start with you, uh, Invern. Uh, in- I think, you know... If you look back, if
1: you look back in August, uh, he was, you know, praised for his mercato, mostly because of the players that he managed to sell or get bit of, either through, you know, permanent sales or temporary through loans. Uh, if you look at the players he signed, you know, we got we did spend so much money, but we still got good players. I mean, we got Tibala who was a world-class player. We got Vainalda, who you know, had the potential to be a very good signing, but, you know, it was unfortunate with his injury. He didn't get that impact that we expected. Celik was a bit on and off, but I think we can, look at, we can look at his season more as a transitional season where, you know, he, he gets to get, you know, the league adapting, and I think acclimatization the next season he will be uh, more ready. So overall, I would say he did a good Mercato, uh but there were you know in hindsight you you, you you if you look at it you would say that yeah probably we didn't have enough quality in some of the positions uh, both in midfield and in defense
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, on paper on paper it looks good right paulo Dybala came on a free transfer Andrea velotti on a free transfer cheki selic were the only 7 million pounds uh, euros yes. spent with Naldon came on a loan transfer, and then Llorente came on a loan fee, or like only half a million pounds or half a million yeah. euros or so. Um, Even he but, turned out to be decent towards the end. He
1: didn't exactly, and, the and, there,
0: and there, and there, are talks of you know, um, renewing, right? Uh, Leeds, yeah. he belongs to Leeds United. Leeds United were relegated to the championships, so he might be looking. Roma would not be. I mean, if you're him, I'd rather go. I'd rather stay in Rome than go to a championship, right? So, I mean, the door might be open for a, for a, for another loan with an option to buy with different numbers, right? Because we're talking about 18 million euros or something when he first came in. So, obviously, none of those numbers. Roma can afford those numbers. But Diego Llorente would be a good name to be at least keeping the conversation going forward, I believe. Uh, I go back to you, jo- uh, Joey. Uh, what's your take on Tiago Pinto's Mercato last summer?
2: I think uh I'll mention first, uh, I think he did a fantastic job of reducing the wages and getting rid of a lot of players that were just weighing on the budget. So he's been excellent at that. Uh He's been good at finding ways of working around because we have financial fair play. Um I know this isn't part of the season review, but look what he just did. Uh, I'll mention the Tahirovich deal, right? He just sold a young player off for a good amount of money and you know, he got rid of a lot of bad contracts. So just in reference to it. So he did well there. Now on the uh, incoming market, I think he did as well as he could, uh, given we had no budget. So um, he got cover for Karsdorp. Um, he signed Paulo Dybala, which, w- which turned out obviously to be an excellent signing. Matic was a little bit of an underrated signing at the time. was oh, wow. fantastic. yeah. It was a little unlucky with Wijnaldum. I thought he would have done better things in Rome. Um, if there was one thing I can criticize, Pinto is I don't think he gave enough coverage to the um, to the midfield department. Um, Camera was only a panic buy because of uh, Wijnaldum getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So if uh, Wijnaldum was healthy, he wouldn't have been there. But the way Mourinho runs his midfield. At the time, we seem to have only had three midfielders and then the rest were young kids. This is before Bobe's emergence, right? So I don't find there was enough coverage in the midfield, but I think he did a, an okay job for, for the budget he had. He could have definitely done better, but I, again, when you're working with not a lot of money, it's uh, it's extremely hard. So he did good in, in that respect.
0: Yeah agreed agreed i th- I thought uh, he had a good mercato we we even said it in my spanish part like he th- he had a great mercato right belotti nobody thought he was going to have the season he had right uh mattich uh, Matic. I, I was very I was very skeptical of, of Matich, but listen, he had a good first half of the season, but he had a tremendous second half of the season. What a player that guy is what a player and i I was talking to Chelsea fans right, and they were like they didn't want to sell him years ago and they are like Every year, every year with Mattis, he's like, all right, maybe he's not started anymore, but he keeps being, he keeps playing, he keeps producing, even at, at his age, right? So, um, I think he's going to stick around for another year. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, he's one of the names that we're going to talk about probably, on, in, we're going to mention later in, in the pod uh, as um, one of the highlights of the year. But let's talk. Let's go back. Let's roll it back to. Um, to the first half of the year. What do you guys make? Indra mentioned earlier the injuries, uh, suspensions to Mourinho. Uh, What went wrong the first half of the year? Because we started the season well, right? We started the season well with with the wins against Salernitana, Cremonese, Adro against Juventus, we beat Monza, and then we had that tremendous, terrible loss away in Udine. And then after that, it kind of went up and down and, and, and then we, we had moments and we had flows and moments, but kind of a roller coaster. Of the season. What do you guys make of that, uh, Inram? Yeah,
1: you're right. Um, I think that the first half of the season, I think it, it was still good. If you look at up until the Spezia game, we were still up there, I think top three or something by that time, and uh, we were doing quite well. Uh, and I think that's, you know, the turning point is, uh, the, the definite turning point was, you know, the when we lost to Cremonese. Uh, we, we we won against Juventus the week after, but after that, you know, the loss to Sassuolo, Lazio, and then, you know, the Feyenoord game, it drained a lot of energy, got a lot of injuries. So for me, that was a turning point. I think that was when the squad was really exposed, uh, you know, for being really thin, and uh, not having enough uh, cover, and the cover, you know, didn't have enough quality. You uh, had uh, a lot of talent there, uh, but not that of experience. And uh, well, it did give us some positives because you know, Bo Boi got to play a lot. But um, ultimately, you know, when you know the likes of Sahiro, which has to start games, you know that you know that it's looking really difficult and. Uh, It was just up and down, and you know, then we had you know seven, eight games where you know winless streak. I think in Serie, I mean towards the end in the league, which really, really killed you know whatever was left of hope of uh, top four.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Cremonese match, the second one that we lost at home to one. Was that the beginning? Of the time when Mourinho started to thinking, okay, I gotta put a little bit more weight on the Europa League and maybe start to rest those legs in, in the league, uh, was that the time? Maybe I
1: don't think it was deliberate. Uh, I think he wanted to win that game. He wanted to go for all the three competitions.
0: I don't think. I think. You, but it, at one point it happened, right? At one point he said, "Okay, I gotta go with one. Maybe more. You're thinking more on the liver." Oh yes. Oh yes.
1: Yeah, but. It, towards the end, it was definitely even it was quite obvious that he had to go for the uh, Europa League. I mean, because the Serie A was looking more and more difficult. So I agree with that. But that was, you know, towards the very end. But in January, I think it was in January when the first loss to uh, cremonese so was on the first of February. But yeah, then, yeah, yeah, Fe-
0: I think, first of February, correct?
1: Yeah, but I think that game we wanted to win, and you know, we lost that game. You know I mean we lost twice to Cremonese within a month it's it's uh you know unheard of if you, if you want to if you want to finish uh, uh, if you want to go far in Copa Italia or uh, you know uh, have serious ambitions of finishing top four, i think it's you know unforgivable results
0: yeah um Joey, anything to add?
2: Yeah, I wanted to say in the first half of the season we all we definitely started well. I think we were riding on the high of having guys like uh, DiBala, Zagnolo, Pellegrini, Abraham playing together. They were calling them the Fab Four, that that nickname of them. Uh, and then you can see it slowly. DiBala started to miss some games. Um, Zagnolo was still struggling to play. We he didn't end up becoming the player we thought he was, and. I think that kind of ties into Pinto's Mercato a little bit because maybe the midfield coverage was also you thought Pellegrini can play in that spot. So having Dybala and Zaniolo with Abraham, you can drop Pellegrini a bit and that didn't end up happening. So you're coming towards uh, towards the World Cup with uh, with Dybala being out for a month. You, uh, you sustain a, a big injury for him. And the type of midfielders we have, we just – we don't seem to be able to have enough quality to attack. Um, I think Mourinho is smart enough to know if uh, if he has certain players, he's going to play a certain way. And if he has better players, he might play in another way. Um, so I, I think the first season with Mourinho, we saw a little bit better offense than what we did the second season. But we also had guys like Mkhitaryan and too helping from the midfield in terms of scoring. So we didn't see that at all this year uh we had poor play from camera we had poor play from one album when he came back so and Cristante and Matic are a little too similar so he knew what he had and then that Coppa Italia game I think he realized that okay I have a certain 11 and then just after that is when the quality starts to drop off so he started to think if I want to get anything out of this season whether it was Europa League or uh top 4 I got to play my strongest 11 and then when it came down to the whole I think uh point scandal with Juventus back and forth with the depth and the injuries Mourinho had to make a choice and he made the choice of going in for the Europa League rather than uh top 4 we just didn't have the depth and as Imran mentioned about all the injuries that started to happen uh, more and more and more. It just, it just hurt us so much. We had injuries in such important positions. It was hard to keep up and we had players playing through injury. I think Pellegrini played a good portion of the season injured. We know Dybala was never a hundred percent. We got no goals out of the strikers. Uh, None at all. They vastly underperformed their XG uh Matic, unfortunately, the, the guy is 35 years old. He can't play every game. We started putting Cristante at center back. So we had injuries to Smalling. We had injuries to Ibanez, uh, not Ibanez, to Llorente and to Kumbula. So you, you come up against uh, Milan as an example, where we scored the goal thinking we're pulling back into top four uh, we tried to make a change and we couldn't. But that change was so back and why was it so back in? It's because we couldn't even we didn't even have a center back on the bench to help defend the last two minutes. That's how riddled we were with injuries. So accumulation of that, I just that's where the season in terms of the campionato ended badly. But we, I mean, we put everything into that Europa League and ultimately, while well, the final final was lost. So that really summed up of how Roma season went.
0: Yeah. Um, do you guys remember the first half of the season? There was a lot of conversation um, and we haven't even talked about Saniolo and, and the stuff that he pulled out, you know, uh, at the end of last year. You guys remember the conversation in the midfielder? Um, Matic and Cristante cannot play together. There's a big hole over there. Teams are hurting us. Teams are hurting us that way. And then what What changed in the second half of the season? Because all of a sudden, all of a sudden if we talk about numbers, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, the highlights of the season or the, the best performers, we put Brian Cristante and we put Matic in the conversation, right? And I'll go with you, Inram. I think
1: because uh, Matic was playing in a much more advanced role, the second half of the season, because he, you know, he scored more goals, he had more assists. He was even, you know, up there dribbling in the opposition half, making, you know, incredible assists, I mean, giving incredible passes, which in some cases led to goals. So I think he was uh, given a different role, uh, which you know liberated him more from the defensive duties, which made that do work. That's my, you know, observation of. T- quite, uh, you know, uh, started working.
0: Yeah, maybe Wijnaldum coming back into the mix uh, and just for, to give uh, uh, some rest to those legs help too, right? What do you think, uh, Joey?
2: Yeah, definitely having Wijnaldum and just extra coverage helped uh, Matic uh, to rest a little bit. I don't think Cristante rested at all unless he was suspended like the like the Sassuolo match. Um, as a pairing, uh I think they kind of learned how to play with each other. I still don't think it's the ideal par- pairing because we suffered from scoring and that doesn't only come from the strikers. That comes from um, the extra assistance uh, coming from midfield uh, deep. I-, I don't think Matic and Cristante are necessarily suited for those roles to help from deep to make those runs, to start scoring like Bove we we saw. So um, as a pairing, they they still work in certain situations um, which ended up being how we decided to play for the rest of the season. We decided to play, you know, very defensive, very conservative, and just hold out for clean cheese as much as we could. Uh, of course, this is still a Mourinho type of style. I get it, but I, I think this was on an extra level, given what we had uh, in the end. So they started to figure out how to uh, play with each other. But I, I think everyone knows, and Mourinho knows, that, um, that his, you know, Ideally, he would have one of Cristante or Matich, and then have somebody who's more of a, let's call it a classic box-to-box, who can help in both sides of the field. So everyone knows it, but in the end, they still worked out and and kept at least defensive uh, solidity, which we absolutely needed. And we saw when we didn't have Cristante versus Sassuolo at home, we gave up four goals. So we could tell the defensive shape was certainly off. So uh, they started to figure out how to play with each other, and I think the team just knew they had a certain identity for at least the rest of the season. And while well, it nearly worked out, you know, making it all the way to the European final.
0: Yeah, Cristante is one of those controversial players, right? A lot of, he gets a lot of stick by a lot of people, but I think you notice it. You notice when he's not around, when he's not in the midfielder. I think you know. Oh, we think we would need somebody like Cristante there, right? Make what you what you want of it, right? You think maybe we can get a better player or not? But I think he's very important to our system. It is definitely very important to our system. And before we start looking into individuals for an, as as best or uh, best and worst performance of the season, I want to talk to you. What's your what What do you guys think is the the best part that Roma showed this this season? I think it has a, for me it has a lot to do with the. With a defensive mindset, um, I know towards the end of the season we had some goals. I mean, the, the Milan man- match comes to mind when they scored on us last minute. But Roma, for the most part, was a team that when they scored the first goal, it was very hard to score to, to. Very hard to score on them. So I think I take that the defensive unit, the defensive solidity. Now, as a bad part, like the lack of goals, because it's it's incredible that how we were able to make the final of, of the Europa League. And and without with their forwards not scoring goals, you can say that the Europa League maybe the team turned it up a notch than the, the Serie a, But at the end of the day, they were their same players, right? I think offensively is one of the um, low parts of the season. And I think the defensive unit as a unity, not only the defensive line, but the defensive of the unit is one of the the highlights you can say of the season. What do you, what do you think, Imran? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the most
1: important thing or the what I noticed was that you know the ability to absorb pressure—that's been uh, uh, difficult with Roma through you know um, in recent history or in most part of this club's history—to be able to absorb pressure, to stay calm, concentrated. But I think the focus on defense, and you know that's an incredible job by by Mourinho by focusing so much on defense and the players uh, for them to be able to follow the instructions you know, to that extent and stay so dedicated and loyal to the system. Um, you know, gave us two finals. Uh, we could have done that in a different way. You can always argue that. But we were also, like you mentioned, uh, it, it didn't help much, you know, when you absorb so much pressure. Of course, you expect some help from your attack because you should be able to counterattack. And with counterattack, when you play football like that, you need to have efficient Attackers, and you know we had Tammy Abraham and Andrea Belotti, who you know, but we had ever together played one hundred matches, including you know uh, substitute appearances. In those one hundred matches this season, they scored thirteen goals. <laughs> I mean, in uh, you know thirteen goals, if you just look, it's you know, like, it's very poor numbers. And Di himself played thirty-eight games, scored eighteen goals. You look at Abraham and Pelotti in Europa League, they had, you know, combined, they played 27 games, four goals. I mean, you can you can blame the coach. You know, I've been very critical for, you know, a lot of things with Mourinho, um, you know, because I would have preferred to play in certain way, you know, dominate games. You know, that's another discussion. This one, you cannot put on him. You know, these players haven't done him any favor in that, in that part because these players if you had more efficient players, efficient attack, these players should have killed games. But they weren't able. You know, they, they, they weren't. They were helping the team. They were helping the coach. It was just frustrating. I mean, it didn't work for them. Belotti, you know, I can understand. He didn't have a preseason, whatever. You know, he missed a penalty. You know, it become became a big, you know, mental hurdle for him. And Abraham, the disappointment of not going to the World Cup. But that disappointment never ended. It just, you know, continued until the end of the season. And then, incredibly enough, he suffers an ACL injury uh, on the last match day. So now it was not really not the season uh, for those two players, at least.
0: All right. Now, since you started talking about players, individual players, then let's start getting let's start getting into that. Um, let's start with top performers of the season. Um, we can come up with a little podium because sometimes it's hard to say uh, only one. I'll start with my podium. How about that? Now, number three, I'm going to do Brian Cristante because he was very important in the midfielder. Number two, I'm going to do Chris Smalling because I don't have to say anything or how important he is in the center of the, the, the defense over there. And obviously, Paulo Dybala because without him... He put us in a position to be playing for titles, let's say, for the Europa League final and at least uh, make us the run as long as possible in Serie A, right, with his decisive goals. So that's my podium. Um, what about you, Joey?
2: Um, for my podium, I'll go with number three, uh, Matic. Um, yeah, it's hard solid, to choose solid, between solid, Ma- solid, 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 Matic solid. and Cristante. And then the top two are the same as you, uh, uh, Sam. And number two would be Smalling. And number one, of course, it's uh, Dybala. And I'll mention, because I didn't mention a low point of Roma, so this is in reference with DiBala. A low point, I think, is we rely too much on Dybala, meaning our offense was just bad without him. And um, I-, I know Mourinho likes, and this puts the importance on the ball and why he's number one. I know Mourinho, um, again, we never always fully agree with his tactics. I'm with Imran on this, but... When Dibala plays, he still performs offensively. And then you got guys like Abraham Balotti, who again massively underperformed their XG. They're missing open nets. They're not killing games. You know, you, you got the Balotti penalty miss against Torino, which nearly cost us a point. Luckily, we're saved by Matic. You got the open net against Hellas Verona by Abraham that was missed. Uh, luckily, we still win that game. But when it comes to Dibala, um, he takes a penalty in a crucial moment. Against Spezia, we want to make Europa League, which seemed very important to Paulo Dybala. If you see his interview after, I do not think he wanted to play with a Roma in the Conference League. He scored the penalty no matter what in the dying minutes against Spezia. He scored the goal uh, to give us a lead and the hope against Sevilla. He scored the wonderful goal, probably one of the goals of the season against Feyenoord to save our Europa League campaign. So he's just a, a big time player, and I, I felt other people around him uh, have failed him, and it just it just brings the importance in why he's my number one.
0: Yeah, I remember that goal from in the in the San Siro pass from Spinatola, and he cut it in the air on the first touch. Oof.
2: Big mm-hmm. games, big games, Sam. It's always been DiBala and the defense that showed up, mm-hmm. and that puts uh, a hot like. One of the highs of the season is obviously Dybala and how we've been, we've grown mentally. Uh, I, I think the last couple of games we we started to tail off. It's, we were tired when we had the lead and we gave it up, especially against Sevilla. But I think it, it shows that we've we grown in a sense where we have the lead and we don't decide to just uh, blow it like we used to, just give up the lead. Like we used to do that in the past. So I think the mentality has grown and that really is... Uh, a big, big high and highlight of the season.
0: Yeah. You couldn't, I, I agree with your podium. You couldn't you go either way for me. Uh, Matic or Cristante, Matic was tremendous. He came with very low expectations, at least on my end, personally. Uh, Inram, what's your podium?
1: I would say, Ma, I would say uh, you know, Matic, yes. Uh, for me, he will be an honorary mention because uh I think Mancini was good. Uh, he was stable. He,
0: he had, showed. He had a phenomenal he, 2020 uh, 2023 too. Mancini. Yeah, he's on my top showed, five. Top five. Mancini, Mancini match completed top five for me. You
1: know, he showed leadership qualities. Uh, he was more mature than before, and I think this season he showed that he could be a potential. You know, he has. He, he's. He's a potential captain, uh, you know, for the future. I know Pellegrini is there, but I don't think he had it in him. I think he was a bit immature before, you know. Uh, tactically, he was not so disciplined, but this season, he was good. So my number three, Mancini. Number two, Smalling. And number one, yeah, Jabala for obvious these reasons.
0: Yeah. I like you mentioned, we, guys. We all agree on that. Um But, you know, like
1: you know, what, uh, what Joey said, you know, the heavily you know, reliance and dependence on of Dybala. I think eventually it just turned out to be a consequence of, you know, the disappointment of the failures of uh, uh, Abraham and Belotti because they underperformed. There was no other way for us to, you know... To sugarcoat
0: because... it, they underperformed, yeah, right. Exactly, and yeah. that
1: just that just made uh, Dybala, you know, in a position where we just kept on relying on him more and more because the other players were underperforming. I think they could have been more evenly spread if they were more up to the task, but they weren't. They just made the uh, look more prominent, more like you know he had to come there to rescue Roma in difficult positions. And, and you know we will come probably to the Europa League final, but it was just you know it was such a shame that he wasn't able to play more because of the injury. Because had he been on the had he been on the pitch, I I don't think we uh, would have lost. Uh, I don't think we would have lost because, uh, you know, his presence gave the team something else. Him he, he being, you know, 50%, 60% gave this uh, team something else. But eventually, you know, couldn't continue.
2: And I, I agree with uh, Imran. It's, uh, it's definitely sugarcoats of how bad the players play. But I think Dybala... Um, if he would have just stayed healthy uh, his actual performance i think he was able to handle it for this one season to basically carry roma i think if he didn't get injured it's maybe a bold statement or he you know he didn't miss um i think it was close to about 15 20 games i think if he missed even just you know five games instead of those 15 20 he he would have probably either won us the europa league or I think we would have even made top four with him. We had a tremendous record with Paulo Dybala starting. Roma had a tremendous record of not dropping points or not losing. Um, just the point average is when he didn't play or didn't start. That's where we we fell way way below. So uh, his health was part of the reason we didn't make top four. So that just shows his importance and how bad. Everybody did around them, and I'll even give a, a a mention to Pellegrini. I I don't think he helped the situation because he underperformed as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you guys say. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's move to yesterday. We talk about best players, best performance, worst players, the disappointment player of the season. I don't. I won't make you guys come up with a podium. I just come up with one. I'll start with you in room. One player. One player. Disappointment of the season. Who who can you think of? I would say Tammy Abraham.
1: Uh, I know. Bellotti is there, but I would say Tammy Abraham. Considering, you know, what we spent for him the last season, uh, the way from last season, he was supposed to take, you know, his team even further. He was supposed to attract, you know, 80 million euro offers. But uh, he's now there with an ACL injury and, you know, absolutely no value at all. So for me, definitely Abraham.
2: Joey, does Zaniolo
0: count, Sam? Yeah, he was part of. Yeah, Is all right.
2: I, I I hate to keep it to just one, so I'll do a podium. I'm going to go with Zaniolo, <laughs> go Zaniolo, uh Zaniolo, Abraham, and Pelotti. I just I I um, Imran wasn't on the last episode, and uh, I know Sam, you you and. uh um you and Scott defended him, but i just i i could not watch Bellotti anymore like i i felt- i found he ended up bringing nothing to the table and just it was just bad every every game I watched him it just more and more at towards the end of the season it was just bad to watch. I know he was injured, so that didn 't help, but I just never felt like we were scoring with him on the uh, on the pitch
0: yeah you can you can argue with the bad performances right and if you 're a forward, you need to score goals, so you guys shout um Tammy Abraham and, and, and um, Belotti. Now, it's valid. I'm going to go a different route for my disappointment of the year. For me, and this might sound a surprise for me, it's Rick Carcer. Um, he disappeared half of mid-season. I'm professional. I don't know if he had an exchange of work with Mourinho. Never came back. He wasn't part of the team. He, we could have used a good, a solid Rick Carcer in the last six months of the season.
1: And yeah, he when he came back and, got him, and When
0: he decided, first came back, he I'm, I'm done. I'm not professional. I'm, I, and then he had a shout something with Mourinho. He said, listen, I'm not for the team. And he disappeared. He disappeared. You know, he had a big, weird story with Roma. He came, he had hurt. He he was in a factory and then we shipped him on, a lo- on loan back to Netherlands. And then he came back. He was a big time player for us. For, for a lot of people, for me, he was a player of the season not long ago. Maybe a couple of seasons ago. And for him to just disappear off the face of the earth like that, and just quit on the team like that, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give him the disappointment of the year. Um like I understand what you guys what you guys said, right? If you're a forward you need to score goals. Um so yeah. Um let's switch to the best match. What do you guys what match do you guys think this season that was the most exciting match to match to watch for you guys? I'll start with you,
2: Joey. Oh, um, I thought you called on that one. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can uh, you think of one? I know. I, I, I definitely have okay. one. I think most, most, ex, most exciting and exhilarating was probably the Feynor match. I'm not yeah. saying it was the most dominant, but it was certainly most uh, exciting. And in Syria, uh, I'm just gonna go with the importance of the result. Uh, for me, was the intermatch away. I would go with that. It was just. It it was uh it's an important win away from home and uh really started making me believe we could start stop start beating the top teams, but overall I, I have to go with the Feyenoord match.
0: I agree with you. The Feyenoord match, right? The atmosphere is the whole thing. We needed to we score four four on them. We needed to come back from, from, from a from a defeat away. So uh Imran, what about you?
1: It's a difficult one. Uh, the final one was good. Um, and I probably the the inter game was good too. The the win was good. The Juventus win was good. Uh, but the um, final game, you know, it it gave us so much. So I would say yeah, the final game. That's uh, after the final game. It was like you know we. We
0: were looking, you know, towards Budapest. Yeah, and that's when that's probably when Mourinho said, "Okay, screw the league and all eggs in one basket." Mm-hmm. Right?
2: It's uh, it's funny that that match to me was the match of the that started to turn our downfall, especially in the league. Like that's the match where we got all those injuries, and then every start everything started to change just right, after the, that The
0: match, that. match was right after the fade, that's when Palomino had that crazy tackle on, on dibala too. Yeah.
2: Yes, exactly, and and uh, and the match against Feyenoord is the match where uh, Smalling got injured, right? So we started our injury trend again uh, from those matches there, and that's what I think turned our downfall in the the Serie A season.
0: Yeah, agree. Um, the worst match of the season.
2: Oh, for me, it's it has. I think it has to be the Atalanta home match. Um just
0: Oof, that for, was rough
2: I for the, the mere the mere fact that I don't even want to mention Udinese because the, the Udinese match uh, obviously it got me upset four zero. We didn't play well, but it angered me more the one zero match of how many chances you created, and this goes to show the poor you know performances of the season like Abraham is how many chances you create and could not put the ball in the net. Still to this day. I don't understand how we did not score four goals that game. We ended up with zero, and we lost on their only shot on target. So Those
0: are two very different defeats, right? I don't know. I, I for me, for me, and I, I understand where you're coming from, Joey. But for me, it was the Udinese match because the other one, I will at least tried. If you play that match again, we probably score a goal and win it, or you know, because of how it went. But the other one, we didn't show up.
2: You're, we didn't you're show right. Up. It, we roll but-
0: That's unacceptable. Or no, me.
2: definitely. Playing wise is definitely the worst, but watching as a fan, I, I don't know, just it hurt watching so many missed chances. To me, those type of pa- matches hurt me more than the 4-0. It just cuz it, it it was there. So, but it, if anything uh Sam uh for me it's definitely between the two. Yeah. Inram
1: For me, uh, I would say the the Udinese game because that was the, you know, that was the Moments where you get the reality check that uh, oh you know this was probably a long season when Udinese you know tactically outclassed you like that I mean you know we have to we have to give it to Udinese they they you know just ran over us we had absolutely nothing to come up with they uh, their press you know the way they uh, you know played in defense and attack it was just you know they were just too good for us and it was. Uh, it was not uh, nice to witness that, especially when you started the season result-wise good, uh, and had, you know, you know, had high hopes for the season. And I think that probably gave us, um, you know, a reality check of uh, uh, that there will come periods that will be really tough.
0: Yeah. Any closing thoughts on, on the two thousand twenty two two thousand twenty-three season before we spend the next last few minutes of the show talking about transfer market and what's happened in the last few days? Ingram Joy? Uh, yeah. I would just
1: say an observation. Uh that I you know no, since, you know me personally and probably some of the international fans they have been, you know, really have been up for discussion but With the Romans and Italians, he's, uh, there's absolutely no sign of that uh, discussion. He's, you know, they want to give him lifetime contracts. He's the best ever. He's, you know, they want to, they don't want him to leave on any circumstances. He's the perfect coach for them. He's, you know, attracting, you know, massive fans to the stadium. So it gave me a reality check of how, you know, how there's a big gap and, you know, uh, different opinion between the fans in Rome and um, some international fans I would say everything but i i i, I saw a completely different um, you know a completely different loyalty to Barinia that you know it, people don 't even want to discuss him is uh they, and, and I understand where they're coming from because you know They live in that environment. They have been through, you know, a lot of pain uh, with this club, uh, and uh, the a coach that gives them results.
0: New waters, right? We've been to we've been in waters that we haven't been before, or like we haven't been in a long time.
1: You're right. You know, you know, two European finals. uh, uh, Even though the first one was the Conference League, uh, it's. he was a conference player, yeah, but look,
0: look at the West Ham players and how much he meant to David Moyes and all of that. So it means yeah, something.
1: It, it, it meant a lot to us too. I was really happy with the Conference League win. Uh, so that was an interesting observation. And sometimes you you think, you know, to where do have belong in, you know, in all this, but then sometimes you know you just have to accept that fans can be different. Uh, uh, they can have different opinions. They can have different, uh, um, they can have a different relationship with Roma. And you no, know, I just accepted that. He, I, I see it a bit different, but I respect them. And that's why I wanted to mention it as well.
2: Yeah. Joey? Uh, just a uh, big op- uh, observation on, um, let's say, Roma doing anything and at all costs on how to win a game. So it's, it was a big shock uh, compared to the past. I think uh, playing sort of that Mourinho type style, even though I was never a huge fan at the beginning, I've, I've started to appreciate a little bit of how much effort it takes to win a certain match given the circumstances. Whereas, you know, in the past, I think Roma would just play no matter who they had on the field. No matter what the situation was, would still play, would still be the same Roma. And now in this case, they they've learned how to uh, change how they are depending on the situation. Like uh, the bayer Leverkusen game, the away game, uh, for sure we wanted to see a better football game. But I think they they uh, they finally realized they'll do anything to win. And uh, I had a just a big observation of how much they became such a unit and a family together. And they always mention about being a family and, uh, as well as Imran's right of how Mourinho just a big reality check of how Mourinho brought everybody together. Um, whether you agree with his philosophies and how he is or not, it's just, it's still just a huge shock. It's just something we're not used to. Or whether you
0: like it or not, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, agree.
0: I agree. I agree. I think we're all on the same page there. He's brought that extra, extra level of mentality, extra level of game management that Roma was really, really lacking in previous, I won't say years, I will say decades. Um, so that wraps up our, our, our um, analysis of the 2022-2023 season, but I don't want to, I want to spend the next few minutes and then talk about, because the transfer market is officially still closed, and the new season hasn't officially started yet. But Roma and Pinto are busy on the market, right? Josem Awar from Lyon uh, has come to uh, has joined our team, a, a creative midfield. Um, I'm not an expert on Awar, but um, he had a lot of potential coming up when he was a youngster, and his his career has kind of come down from high to kind of a little bit on the low. But uh, he's looking to revamp his career in Italy, right? He has a very good feet. He's a really good player, so he, he we hope he can he can um, help the team, right? He's ho- hopefully he can be that spark, that the moment of brilliance that we only had with DiBala last season, right? And Endika, um, Evan Endika, central defender from Frankfurt, team that made the Europa League final last year. Um, I don't know much. I don't know <laughs> much about Indica as well, but I've heard good things from the analysis that we got uh, from those German experts on on my Spanish pod. He comes. He's a good player. He comes with very good regards. I don't know if you guys know anything about him, but it's a good sign that uh, Thiago Pinto is busy early on because we know that uh, Mourinho wants most of his team ready for the first day of training camp, right? Or like the, the preseason training um, in Rome.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's a bit, um, you know, unlike Roma to have conducted business so early, uh, but I'm very happy with the signings. I think uh, uh, I think Awar will be a good signing. He he will give us something else in that midfield. Um, a lot of that flair and pace that was missing with uh, Mkhitaryan. I think uh, uh, that. That connection or that uh, yeah, we, we miss a
0: Mkhitaryan-like player last season. Exactly, I think he will fill
1: that role. I think he will fill that those qualities at least. So hopefully that was that will unleash uh, both Debala and um, Bellotti to a greater extent than Pellegrini was able to do. You know that was also one of the reasons they underperformed. I think, and uh, it remains to be seen. Like you said, he was uh, you know hotshot. Uh, Wonder Kid a few years ago stagnated a bit, but I think he can rediscover his form and, uh, and become a really good player. And then Ndiko is not uh, yeah, official yet, but uh, will be. Um,
0: there are a lot of clubs, a lot of clubs uh, behind... Yeah, but, he's in Rome,
1: but he's in Rome, right? He's in Rome, yes. He, so... I don't know what what a medical is taking so long, but uh, I, I don't know too much about him to be honest. But uh, from what I've read and what I you know heard, uh, he looks like a really solid defender. Uh, I hope that doesn't mean we will be, we will be selling one of our other defenders uh, in Ebanez, Smalling, or Mancini. Uh, I would only sell Ebanez if he get a massive offer. I hope we will be able to cover that thirty million you know that we need. Through other players, which we most likely are looking to do. Uh, because I think if we go into the season with those four, that could be really, really, uh, you know, a uh, season decider uh, when you go into a tough uh, fixture uh, or period of uh, games. Um, and having uh, quality uh, players available uh I think it could be really decisive. and not to mention we will probably bring back Llorente on loan so Yeah so but I don't I don't,
0: I don't see Smolin, Mancini Endica, Ibáñez yorente I think if Endica comes I think Ibáñez is the name that has to be, be sacrificed yeah that has to be sacrificing I'm going to tell you Ibáñez is controversial name for me too because I think he's a really good player he has those moments of just the He's a killer. Season, yeah, right? the, last, the in concentration. Yeah. But you know what? You can defend one, two, or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's just too many to defend, right? I think he's a really good player, but I think yeah. he needs a change of scenery. I think he can do really great in the Premier League. There were uh, there were rumors of Tottenham. Um, so, Um But we, there's nothing concrete as of right now. But I see one player that can be on his way out it would be Roger Ibanez. Great player, I think he's a great player with a lot of
2: upside still,
0: uh, but just with a lot of baggage in Rome. So, as far yeah.
2: uh, Joey, uh, just before I get to the two signings, I'm in agreement with uh, with Imran on uh, on not having to sell Ibanez. I personally like Ibanez. I think the mistakes he makes, it's uh, it can be cut out. Um, but if you do get rid of him, I think you have to. You, because of financial fair play, it's fine. You do have to still replace him. Even if you get Riorente, Mourinho's always requested for five center backs, especially playing a a three-back formation. So we'll be interested to see if he can get that fifth center back because Kabula is out at least half the year. So he won't... And now that he was a big
0: factor anyways when he was around. No, he
2: was not. But that's why we only played only three center backs the whole year. But Mourinho's always requested for five, especially in a uh, uh, three-back formation. Which makes sense because, you know, if if uh, you you need a little bit of coverage there uh, on the signings themselves, uh, I think uh, both of them are are great signings for Roma. It just shows that this is the added quality and depth that we will need. Uh, someone like Awar, uh, he has the talent. If if uh, any of you have ever seen or or can see, there's a there's a great clip on his uh, his match against uh, Manchester City in the uh, Champions League which everybody raved about, like he showed a lot of good quality there. And even someone like Kevin De Bruyne um, was very impressed and said that in the media after after their, their two-legged match. Um, I think he, he had COVID and then at that point he started to have a downfall and just didn't play a lot in the last year. Uh, I'm not so sure why, uh, but you can tell he he just seemed like a player that was discouraged to continue playing for Leon. So this is going to be a fresh start for him. So he brings bring the quality we need, uh, replace Mkhitaryan, and also sometimes giving Pellegrini a rest would be nice. Uh, we didn't give him much of a rest, so uh, having just the extra depth, starting with Awar, is great. Uh, as for Indika, um he's a very tall, strong defender. I watched a few uh, Bundesliga matches. He he was part of the Bundesliga team of the season last, last year. He won the Europa League. Uh, this year, Frankfurt didn't do as well. Um, but he's still a powerful presence who who's good with the ball at his feet, which is nice in terms of the buildup. Uh, that's the extent I know of Indica. Uh Imran. You were saying about the medicals taking too long. I just wanted to to note he uh, every the announcements taking too long because he was supposed to go over the weekend to play for uh, Ivory Coast um, for his match. He only came in to do the the medicals and everything here before, so. We beat out the competition because the likes of Milan and Barcelona were were after him as well, and they wanted to sign him. So they were actually going to announce him this week after the international frenzy, but it turns out he didn't get his passport in time for Ivory Coast. But anyways, the delay was due to international uh, play that he had. He had to uh, immediately leave Rome to uh, go play that match, but it didn't end up being the case. So that way the delay. But no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy for having both signings to start. Um, obviously I think Roma still need more in terms of depth. Um, I think someone to help Dybala, like if he's not on the field, we need to have that player. Maybe Pellegrini will do better this year, but we need to have that player that can just step up and help us. And, yeah, just more depth and strikers that can score would would certainly help us achieving some goals in the next season.
0: Speaking of that, speaking of that, I want to close out the show. It's been the last few minutes talking about the rumor that... Um... That is going around, right? That Tiago Pinto is in London working on trying to close out a deal with uh, West Ham United for Gianluca Escamaca, former Roma player, Primavera player, with a history in, the, in Serie A. He moved to England. He, he had a good start in England, but he, he didn't see a lot of minutes. He got hurt and, and didn't go according to plan. Could Gianluca Scamacca be a player that makes sense for Roma next season? Knowing that um Abraham is on uh, long term injury. Uh, Andrea Velotti will be there. Uh will Gianluca Sc- is Gianluca Scamacca a name that excites you guys? Uh I mean, his father has a history with our bonsai trophy, right? That was, uh, <laughs> he did a, he did a, uh, he had a scene over there in Trigoria, his father, a few years ago with the bonsai tree, but that's more uh, anecdotal, more than anything else. Um, what do you guys think of Gianluca Kamaka? Because I personally, I think he's a perfect forward for us.
1: Hopefully, I think so too. I think so too. I think he, you know, he will be, low risk signing uh, with a loan um, on a loan with an option to buy I think that will be low risk signing we can evaluate him, see how it works, I think if he turns out to be a good signing which I think he will I think he will fit Uh, I think he will fit Roma I think he will fit Uh, Mourinho's football is more physical is more strong Uh, and you know, say ah, he's played good for Sassuolo well before. I think it would be a good signing, and if he turns out to be uh, good for us, and we can negotiate a good fee uh, with uh, West Ham, then you know we can sell Tammy Abraham next season or next summer.
0: What are your thoughts on this Kamaka Joey? I
2: I like it. I'm just a. a- a little skeptical because he only had that one good season with Sassolo of 16 goals, I believe, but he played really well. Um, he did start well at West Ham, but they injure his knee. And oh, you know how we are with knee injuries in Rome. So, uh, But overall, he has some qualities that I think Roma need, uh, strong physical. We certainly need somebody who can hold up the ball. That's part of Mourinho's game. Um, Tammy Abraham and Balotti couldn't do it, and I think Skamaka could do it better. And he has a quality of of scoring some long distance strikes, some some goals outside the box, or just a little further out. Which I think in in our type of system, if we, which I hope we don't, but if we play same kind of conservative way next year, those type of goals are needed uh, for us to succeed. So he has the attributes to succeed well here uh, if he could stay healthy and just improve on his uh, his overall game. So. Uh, I'd be happy to see him in Rome. Obviously, a little skepticism, you know, given he had that one good season. But uh, I would still see what... Uh, I would still love to see what he can do here with guys like Pellegrini and DiBello around him.
0: Yeah, but knowing knowing that it's hard to go for a big-time, big-time forward um, with uh with Thomas situation, right? Um, so I think he's perfect. I think he's perfect. He's a big, tall guy, like you guys said. Right? He has a big shot, big, powerful shot, good in the air, and Rome can be a good environment for him. I think he will get behind Mourinho. I think I would like to see him. I'd like to see Gianluca Scamaca in Rome next year. So hopefully hopefully, Tiago Pinto is moving some chips over there in London right now. Guys, we just went over an hour of recording. Is there anything else you want to add before we go in Rome? No, I'm
1: good.
0: Thank you. Joey.
2: Uh just like to see Roma improve on their squad and all quality and hopefully they can give us a competitive season next next season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back. We'll be back in the next week or so for another episode where we'll be focusing a little bit more on on the names um that are being uh, mentioned and and how can the star the squad start shaping up for the beginning of next year. Thank you very much, Inram, for taking the time. I know your busy schedule. Joey, thank, thank you. you so much, too. Thank uh, you. Scott, I know you're listening. You're, you're in our thoughts. We're praying for you. Take it day by day. We're here for you if you need us. Every, everybody listening, thank you so much for sticking with us until the end. And as always, Saroma Ciao. Ciao. ciao.